I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hi, welcome to the podcast today. I'm Karen and I'm here with my sister, Michelle. Hello. We are going to talk today about what to do when your homeschool blows up. Okay, that's happened to me once or twice. (laughs) (laughs) On occasion, you just hit one of those days that everything comes to a stop because of either a temper tantrum or misbehavior or a million interruptions or because you are the mom of teenagers. Right. So we're going to talk about... Or or toddlers. Or toddlers. (laughs) Or both. Or both. (laughs) So we're going to talk about some strategies you can put in place to deal with that so that Hopefully, you'll have less and less of those as you go forward. And you know how to deal with them a little bit as they come up so that it doesn't destroy your resolve as a homeschool parent because it can be really discouraging and we tend to feel like when something goes wrong, everything is wrong and you have to be able to regulate that. uh, That's why occasionally I've wanted to quit homeschooling. Whenever I felt like, oh, I just want to quit, it's usually because of a blow up. Uh, yeah, misbehaviors or something's just not working in my homeschool, and and I'll just go, I just want to quit. It just gets so frustrating, right? I think it's important to remember that no matter what job you have, you sometimes probably want to quit when things go badly. <laughs> yeah, so that's true. <laughs> we we look at our job as a homeschool parent and think that somehow that's going to be perfect. I don't know why we even think that it's not, it's not going to be perfect. So if we could just do it without the kids, (laughs) it would be great. So peaceful. I know. And yet we wouldn't be accomplishing any of our purposes. (laughs) So it still wouldn't, wouldn't work. But yeah, everyone has those times when things blow up, either you're just the emotions are running high or things are just going badly. And so if we have some strategies in place to deal with them, I think that that can help overcome the discouragement and the, that feeling of, I just want to quit. I just got to bag it all because you don't need to quit because there's a blow up. You just need to deal with the blow up. So let's start by talking about misbehaviors. So a kid having a temper tantrum, a child stomping off, kids getting in a fight in the middle of your school day. You're like, we're doing poetry. Why are you hitting each other? (laughs) Or just refusing to do the assignment. Yeah. So so those kinds of misbehaviors. So let's begin by talking about that. I think one of the things that you have to realize is when you are a homeschool parent, the key word in there is parent. You can't think that you can just be consistent during the school hours and expect your kids to fall in line with that. You have to be consistent 24 seven and that's really, really demanding on you. There's no way that that's easy. It's, it's hard, but it's easier than not being consistent. The more consistent you are, the easier and easier it becomes. I find that the older my children get, the more of a joy they are. We don't have many behavior problems and that's because of that consistency when they were young and I've taught them the behavior expectations that we have. I've taught them that we're polite to one another. We don't get into fights, you know, things like that. I don't remember the last time that I had a kid refuse to do an assignment. That's not because you've never had a kid refuse to do an assignment. It's because you dealt with it quickly at the time. You didn't let it slide. Hyper consistency teaches them that if there will certainly be consequences, it's not worth their time to try 
to avoid the assignment because they will do the assignment. We have that expectation in place. It will happen. And there are consequences consistently in place for if it doesn't. And so it is exhausting to be that really consistent parent all of the time, especially when you're a homeschool parent and you don't get a break. But it's worse to be dealing with the blowups and the year after year forever and ever and ever. If you can be consistent, just think to yourself, I'm going to be really consistent for the next month. I can do this for a month and then do it for another month and do it for another year. And you'll get to the point where you're having less and less and less of these blowups and misbehaviors and more and more happiness in your homeschool. It really makes a huge difference. Right. So right now let's just stop and talk for a moment about what do you actually do when the blow up happens? Like in that moment, Michelle, what do you do with your kids at that time when it's the refusal or the blow up or the tantrum or, or whatever? What do you do? First of all, I tailor it to the kid. Every child responds to things differently. I've had some children that you just give them a look and they're melting and they're ashamed and they're, they're like, okay, mom, I'll do it. And others you have to be more firm with because they're not phased by, you know, like a gentle reprimand. That's not going to do it. So it just depends on the kid. But one thing that I think is really effective is to stop, take a break so that they can cool down from that, Mm -hmm. whatever their blow up is. And sometimes that break might be a few minutes. It might be an hour it might be a day. You might have to say, we lost this day. Yep. This day is done. <laughs> Everybody just went, you know, it just went crazy. And then realistically, if the behavior problems are severe enough and it's happening a lot, sometimes a longer break is required. Sometimes you need to say, we need a reset. You we have need to, to have actually a whole make a change. Reset. Yes. And so that might mean taking a week and doing other things, especially I hear of families sometimes who their kids are consistently refusing to do their schoolwork. And I think fairly often this happens with kids that have just been taken out of school or they've just had a major life change. They kind of shut down. And sometimes you need a break. You need to say, we're going to take a week and we're going to go hike and we're going to go explore and we're going to go to the library and you just need a reset. It, it could even be a month. And some, sometimes you just need to step back and start over. And then you can have a fresh start at your homeschool. And you can begin with setting new expectations. Treat which, it like a new school year almost. Yes. And we're going to sit down yep. and establish some rules and some goals and really do a full-on reset. Sometimes that's necessary. So another thing that sometimes my kids need is a physical break. They need to go outside. If they're once in a while I'll say to them, okay, you guys, I want you to go do a lap around the house and they have to run around the whole house (laughs) and they come back. But after running around the whole house, they'll feel better. Like it working their body has made it so that their mind has calmed down. We have a basketball hoop in our driveway and I'll tell my kids, Hey, you need to go make 10 baskets and they've got to go grab the basketball and, and shoot, actually score 10 times, which is shooting a lot more than 10 times. And it just gives them that break where they're focused on something else. And it is a reset. It's just like well, and, hitting a switch. Like, okay, start over. There are kids who, a lot of kids actually, who actually really need that physical break just built into the day all the time. Not just as an emergency procedure for when they blow up. Right. But just build it in there from the beginning because that will help them. If they get to take 10 or 15 minutes before they do their math lesson to run around and play, then they will be able to make it through the math lesson. 
And then I think it's important to recognize that on the other side of the math lesson, there might need to be another one. You know, before the math lesson, you're going to run around the house. After the math lesson, go jump on the trampoline for a few minutes. It's partly a reward, but it's also partly just because it's hard to just sit still and focus your mind entirely on things without having your body involved. Whenever we can in our homeschool, we involve our bodies. You know, we we spell with a bean bag. We we have jump ropes and balls and bean bags in our schoolroom and they are a part of a lot of what we do. We're we're a very physical homeschool family. But beyond that, sometimes you need a brain break that's physical. You need to actually just go and run something off or ride your bike. And I think that's one of the things that's missing from public schools. They have recess and that's good, but we have the ability to do it as often as our kids need in short little doses. Instead of just taking one big long break, you can say, go out and take five minutes and it doesn't have to take all day or an hour. You can just take five minutes yeah, I think that reset. There, there are kids who are going to need that several times throughout the day in order to make it through their homeschool day. And if you have a child who's regularly blowing up, I mean, try it. See if maybe that's the thing that, that helps them to deal with those emotions. They need to get that physical stuff out. They can't sit still. Another thing I like to do, Karen, is put my child on my lap. I have one child who is very, he gets easily overwhelmed. And if I just have him sit on my lap, he's a little older now, so we don't do this so much. But when he was little, he would sit on my lap and we would do the math problems together or we would read together while he was in close proximity. I think proximity is huge. You know, I remember when I was taking my teacher training classes when I was getting my degree in education. And one of the things that they taught us with managing a whole classroom was the rule of proximity. If you have someone who's misbehaving, and you're teaching the whole class, you just go and get closer to that person. You didn't put the kid on your lap because this was a public public school school. type thing. But you would just stand by them. You could even touch their shoulder and just let them know, hey, I'm aware that you're not paying attention. You know, and you don't say anything. You're just being closer to them and letting them know, hey, I'm here. I notice you. You don't have to do anything wrong. You don't have to have misbehaviors to get my attention. I'm here and I see you. And often kids just need attention. And if they're your kids, you get to give the attention in the form of a big old hug or sitting on your lap or snuggling up or whatever. They're your kids. You don't have those public school restrictions that, you know, I had when I was teaching. But you still get to use that proximity rule to to help your kids know that you're right there. Well, and sometimes just like some kids need that physical behavior through the day, other kids need physical touch they need Mm -hmm. to be that's how they feel loved and they need to feel loved in order to perform their best right so it it, a lot of this depends on your particular child and their personality other kids if you touch them it's going to make it 10 times worse so you just need to know your kids yeah I have one daughter that is really really hard on herself she's quite a perfectionist and she's super hard on herself so if I scold her or discipline her in any way in front of other people That's almost more scolding than she can take. It doesn't help her to be a better person or to change her behavior positively at all because she's so crushed and embarrassed by her failure that that's all there is, is her feeling bad about herself. But if instead I pull her off to the side and say, hey, you're having trouble with this. I need you to pay attention when we're doing this or, you know, whatever it is. If I do it personally, she can handle that. 
But if I embarrass her publicly, even if that's just in front of her siblings, that's more than she can handle. So as soon as I learned that about her, I stopped criticizing her openly in front of people. And it was easy for her to make the slight adjustments that we needed. But I had to take the time to recognize that that's what was happening. So you really have to pay attention. If you, if your kids are misbehaving and then the way that you're disciplining is not working for that kid, ask yourself why. Why isn't it working? Maybe even ask them why. Sometimes you have to talk that out with the kid and find out what's going on that's causing this. So we mentioned that sometimes you might need to reset your homeschool. And every we begin every homeschool year with a fresh set of expectations. We always start over, okay, what is what is our day going to be like so the kids learn the routine? We also start out with what are the expectations? When I give you an assignment, what do I expect you to do? And I have the kids have expectations of me. I need to be clear when I explain to them the things I want them to do for the day. My children need to know what's coming up. So we have a checklist and we do our subjects in order every day. Sometimes we might take a lot longer on a subject than another, but we work them in the order because my children need that routine. They need to know what's coming. Other kids might want to do their subjects in whatever order they feel like. My kids need their planners. They need to see their whole day, but they like to choose. They like to have that control over what comes next. And so, I mean, the things that we're doing together, obviously, they don't entirely get to control. But with their own work, they get to pick which one they're going to do first. Maybe it's their handwriting book or maybe they're going to do their math first. So it depends on the on the kids. I also have kids that really need more alone time or they need to have quieter times built into their day because they just need that and others that would rather have music playing in their ears or whatever but you have to have the expectations in place like are you allowed to put the headphones on or are are you you allowed to do your schoolwork in your bedroom right or not so you have to make those decisions based on your kids needs but then you can't just leave that all loosey-goosey you need to say together let's set up how is our day going to look Because kids who don't know what to expect, they can't behave. They don't know how they're supposed to behave. And the other side of that is that you then have to be consistent. If they are are doing things that are going against the expectations, they're not living up to the expectations, then you need to have some consequences in place. And you need to consistently follow up on those consequences. So a good time to figure out these rules and establish behavior is at the very beginning of your school year. We do it every year. We do too. So I always assume that the first, at least the very first week of our school is training time. And we're figuring things out. We're, we're making sure that our routine is the way we want it to be. Everybody knows what their behavior expectations are to be, are going to be. We all know that, okay, we're going to be polite to one another. We're, we're going to listen when someone is talking. You know, some of those basic rules uh-huh. of behavior. Yeah, we, we do the same. We always take time at the beginning to talk about expectations, including simple procedural things like, hey, I am going to check your planner at the end of every homeschool day, and you have to have everything checked off. If you don't, your school day is not done, and my kids don't get to go do their other things, you know, even if they have scouts that night. If you didn't do your schoolwork, you don't get to go to scouts. And that, that might seem extreme, but the truth is that my kids never miss scouts because they know that's what will happen right. and they don't want to miss it. So they get their schoolwork done. Right. I, I remember one time, this is this is before we started homeschooling. I only had toddlers. Okay. So 
I was taking my children to the library for story time. And before we went in, I explained to them that they had to be quiet. They had to sit still. And I knew my, my little two-year-old, he's a, <laughs> he was a fireball. Okay. I knew he wasn't going to be able to make it. I knew he wouldn't. Okay. So I already knew I had in pl a plan in place what I would do. And I had told them, if you can't be quiet and if you can't sit still during this, then we will leave. So, of course, he didn't make it. He couldn't sit still. And I knew that he could be taught to, though. Okay. Uh -huh. And I knew that he, it didn't matter what his abilities were. He still couldn't interrupt story time for everyone else. Right. Yeah. So I told them, we'll leave if we can't, if we can't make it through. So he got noisy, wouldn't sit still, wouldn't be quiet. And I took him out of the library. We went back to story time next week. Perfect angel. And I never, ever had an issue with him again because that first time I had told him what I expected from him and I told him what the consequence would be and then I followed through on it. I never had to do it again. And that is the best way to teach children to establish those consequences, establish the expectations, and then make sure that you follow through. I did that with the grocery store when my kids were little. I It took me a little bit to get it. I wasn't as quick as you, I don't think. But my kids were not behaving. They were noisy. They were grabbing things from the grocery store. They were begging and they were pretty little. And I had several kids all at the grocery store at the same time. And I was getting to the point that I didn't even want to go grocery shopping because it was frustrating. And I decided I have to be more consistent. So I have to be willing to walk out. I always tell them, I'm going to walk out yep. if you're not good. I've done that before. But I've, I've walked out of a grocery store leaving an entire cart. That That's what I finally <laughs> did. And I, I learned I have to do that every time. And because I had waffled for a while and not done that, it took me a long time. It didn't happen after one time because they had watched me 10 times say I was going to do that and then not. Then I did it. I walked out. We didn't get the groceries. It took a few more times because they had already learned that I hadn't been consistent. But once they learned, oh, mom is actually mom meaning it. Mom has had a change of heart. She, <laughs> she means it when she says something. Then we never had a problem in the grocery store again. So it's a lot easier if you do it the first time. Oh, but, it is. But a lot of you might have already been waffling. And it might take longer than one time for or, your or kids you to might make have, the change. You might have inherited a situation. Maybe you've adopted a child. Maybe you're a blended family. Who knows what your situation is? But you can still establish that now. You can start now. Recognize it might take longer than one time. But yeah, so, if you're totally consistent, you can get there. So in homeschool, one of the things that we do is we'll have built-in rewards during our day. So, for example, lunch is a built-in reward. If you get done with your math, you can start lunch at noon. If you're not done with your math, you get to start lunch whenever you're done with your math. Yeah, right? I, I say that to my kids every day. When you're done with, we do writer's workshop right before lunch. So as soon as you're done with writer's workshop, come down to lunch. And I walk out and I go start fixing lunch. And then they trickle in when they finish what they were working on. And it's not some big, huge punishment like I'm making writing a punishment. It's just an established expectation. They don't see it as a negative thing. They're right. just, oh, I've got to it's finish and then I'll go to lunch. It's actually kind of a reward. Oh, I got done quick, so I get to go sooner. Yeah. So, it And it, being... it's not like I'm starving my children if they don't finish writer's workshop or something. It's just that is the natural progression of our day. We often do that same thing with those other little breaks that we talked about, it'll be okay. As soon as you finish math, we're all going to go out and jump on the trampoline. And if mom is down there jumping on the trampoline with the other kids and one kid's not done with math, they are feeling very motivated to finish that math all of a sudden. 
So if you're having regular blow-ups in your homeschool, you may need to take a break for a week or a few weeks so that you can restart fresh. So you can start with a whole new school year. No matter where you are actually in the year, you can start fresh with a new year. Michelle, I think one of the things that was hard for me when I was a young homeschool mom was realizing that I didn't have to be emotional when my kids were. I felt really like it was a reflection on me, like their tantrum was my failure. I was so upset by it. And as soon as I learned to set those emotions aside and to not get emotional, to not get frustrated, but just be really calm and consistent... My kids behaved much better. Have you had that experience? Yeah. Like- in fact, I, I I was the same way when I was a young mom. The smallest things would set me off and I would just not be able to deal with the frustration. And like we said, toddlers, they are frustrating people. <laughs> they, they are difficult. They are hard, hard, hard. They haven't mastered communication yet. Yeah. They're not reasonable. And they get into everything and you can't discipline them really sometimes. Like I, one of my children was a biter. Okay. You can't fix that. I mean, <laughs> I just had to keep him away from people until he grew out of it. I mean, it just, it wasn't something I could fix. Well, because but, he wasn't reasonable. You couldn't reason with right. him yet. He and, was too young to understand that what he was doing was wrong or that he was hurting anyone. He And he wasn't biting out of meanness. It was just... He was putting things in his he mouth. He was putting things in his mouth and it was his brother's skin. <laughs> yeah. Know, it like, so, yeah. So, you know, you have things that you can't necessarily fix it anyway I would get really frustrated by some things and just I was just frustrated that I was stuck at home I was frustrated that you know my life revolved around diapers and that you couldn't fix everything you're out of control sometimes (laughs) sometimes you felt out of control and it was boring in some ways while being extremely challenging in others and it's a frustrating time and I think homeschooling can be a really frustrating time in, in some of those same ways. It's so demanding. The, it's really the demanding. The first thing is to learn how to control your own emotions. And that's really, really hard. But when you do that, you realize, oh, that's what I'm asking my children to do. Mm-hmm. And so you have to find your own strategies and then help them work through their strategies. Yeah, I think that our inability to regulate regulate our emotions sometimes that's akin to a grown-up temper tantrum in a way you know it's like I'm not throwing an actual temper tantrum but I'm internally blowing up and sometimes that even bubbles over into yelling or into whatever it manifests itself as but you have to learn to breathe and just say wow the kids are really misbehaving today well oh my goodness what's going on I think you have to recognize the things that set you off. We all have different things that push our buttons that bug us. And there are certain behaviors that my children would do that really bothered me. It really made me mad. And first of all, I had to realize, okay, what is my response going to be next time this happens? Because it's going to happen again, right? You have to have a plan in place. I'm going to be in that situation again. So what, and and then I'm going to fail and I'm going to try again and I'm going to fail and I'm going to try again. And you, you keep doing that. And then once you've worked through that process, well, you've, you're an expert now, and you can help your children work through those processes too. If you have a child that regularly blows up, they need to work on their emotional management. The, you don't need to fix the world for them, make sure that they're never in a situation where they have to deal with those emotions. That's not actually a good strategy. Yeah, but one of the keys is that you have to regulate your emotions if you're expecting them to. So, Yeah, you can't 
go up to your child and say, why are you yelling at your brothers? You know, while you're yelling at them and in anger. You well, know? And, and just like we said that you have to recognize how your kids need to be disciplined, like my daughter that I couldn't discipline in front of others. You also have your things that you need. I know I'm a person because I'm, well, both Michelle and I, we're both more on the introverted side. We're both people who need quiet moments and time to ourselves. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to get a life full of quiet moments and time to myself because I'm a mom with kids and that doesn't happen. But when I'm having a hard time, sometimes I know that I need to take a little bit of time to myself. I might need to go sit in my room and read one chapter of a book or, you know, whatever it is that I need at the moment. You have to learn to know yourself well enough to know what you need to regulate your emotions too, so that you can help your kids with theirs. Um, besides misbehaviors, I think there are other kinds of blow ups that kind of interfere with our homeschool day. What things blow your day up sometimes, Michelle? Oh, if there are a lot of distractions or interruptions, Oh, yeah. And sometimes those are caused by me because I'm not, okay, I will admit this. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, like, I'll I'll be, there'll be a down moment while the kids are working on something, right? And I, I'm very easily bored. I get easily bored and I have to fill my mind with something. So I'll get out my phone and I'll st start looking at my Pinterest and pretty soon the kids have wandered off and <laughs> I've got a Pinterest board full of cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I distract things and, and I've ruined, you know, I've ruined the rhythm of our homeschool day. I have to call them back. They're kind of like, I thought school was over, mom. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you derailed it. I derailed it. And and other things can interrupt you too. The doorbell, the phone ringing. Yeah, I, I have been really, really fortunate. When we built this house, we built our homeschool room on top of our garage and it's a little bit like a fortress. And so we can't hear our doorbell. Best thing we've ever done is build a homeschool room where I can't hear my doorbell. Also, it helps that you moved out into the country. We, we did. We don't get as many doorbell rings anymore. But when we lived in the neighborhood, the doorbell would ring constantly. And they were wonderful people. But I have a hard time not visiting with my wonderful neighbors when they come over. And it was kind of like your Pinterest board. It's there went our day. We just it got derailed. Yeah. And it's hard to get back on track when when that has happened. And I always feel like whenever I do get off track, I always feel like that day didn't go so well. Like it just wasn't a good day. And I, I like to have good homeschool days. You feel so much accomplishment at the end. It yeah. feels great. Yeah. So you have to try to eliminate those distractions and interruptions as much as you can. It's not going to be a 100% thing ever because life happens. And sometimes, sometimes the phone call is important. Sometimes someone really legitimately does need you. You know, there are reasons that those interruptions will be really valid, so it's not going to be a 100% thing. But if more often than not you're on social media or Pinterest or answering your door or getting distracted by your phone or, you know, any of those things, pretty soon you have a history of bad homeschool days and you're starting to feel badly about your homeschool instead of, oh, I have an occasional interruption. Yeah, and interruptions can come in the form of overcommitment too. Oh, yeah. If If... Sometimes people think that you're a stay-at-home mom and that means 100% of your time is free <laughs> and they'll ask you to do things and and it'll be really hard to say no. And so you end up having commitments during the morning when you're supposed to be doing school. And for me at least, if we don't do school in the morning, school isn't going to happen. Yeah. I, I can't move it to the afternoon. It's just not going to happen. And I know that about myself. So my mornings are my homeschool time. I don't have commitments in the morning. 
I can't go out with you to lunch because we're still doing homeschool then at that time of day. Uh huh. You know, and it is really hard to say no to people. And sometimes you have to prepare yourself for that ahead of time. You have to know, here's my answer when someone asks me to do something during our school time. And it might be as simple as you telling them, oh, I work at that time. I'm working. Oh, you oh, are. I, you are working. Yes. I like to pull out my calendar and say, let me check my schedule. Oh, gosh, that day's booked. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, you already knew, yeah, I'm doing homeschool, yeah. but... <laughs> But it's a really validating way to, to say that you're busy. I have noticed some people don't believe that certain excuses are acceptable. Like, if you're taking time for yourself, that's not an acceptable excuse in our world. And it should be, but it's not. And if you're taking time, like, oh, I'm spending that time with my children, that's not a valid excuse in a lot of people's minds. It should be the it, most it valid should excuse. Be, but it's not. And so often we have to come up with the valid excuse. What, what will officially work? And so. I actually for the most part, believe in not giving them any reason at all. My favorite response when I can't do something is, I wish I could, but I am not going to be able to do that. Because then they've got nothing. That's true. They, they can't they say, oh, why. but can't you shift that? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't give them anything to shift. And you don't have to have an excuse when you say no to someone. You can just simply say, I wish I could, but I am not going to be able to do that. And, That's you know, you response. say it with, with care. With kindness, but you don't give any room for them to argue. Right. And and just like other interruptions, occasionally there will be something valid that you really do want to spend that homeschool day on when you would otherwise be homeschooling. Maybe you have a service opportunity and your family's going to be doing that. Or maybe someone is really ill and really does need your help. And so you're going to spend your day in that way. But that should be the exception. Right. I, I had a friend that... She had a baby that was a preemie and she actually came to me after this happened and apologized because then she heard me speak about some of these issues like, hey, you should say no to homeschool interruptions. Well, she had asked me to tend her older child while she was in the hospital with her preemie and it became a regular thing. It lasted for several months that she needed to be there. And so her older daughter came and joined our family during that time. And then she heard me speak about this and she was like, Karen, I feel horrible. I can't believe I asked you to tend my daughter and I never should have done that. I should have recognized that you're a homeschool mom and that you're busy. And I said, I would not have said yes to you if I was not okay with that. I thought through it. I knew that I was okay with it. And her daughter was super easygoing, wonderful. She joined right in with everything that we did. She was about three and a half at the time, I think. So, you know, she was little, but she was not a tough girl. You're going to have times where you feel good about the interruptions. And I felt good about helping her. And I was glad that we could. And I had no regrets. So there are going to be times that you do that. But if it's your norm that you're always just saying yes, and then you're feeling this burden and this pressure, like I can't say no to people and I'm getting dumped on, that's when it's a problem. So you just have to do it really thoughtfully. And it sometimes can take you a little bit of time to extricate yourself from obligations that you have agreed to, but you should work on that if it's disrupting your homeschool life or your personal life, your family life. Sometimes you even have the overbooking be in the name of your kids. Maybe it's you're involved in the co-op and the team and, you know, so many of those things that you're realizing I'm not actually having enough time to get through the homeschool things that I wanted to or that we need to get to. 
And there are a million good things to choose from that you could be involved in. And sometimes you have to say, we are going to have to pick and choose these good things because we don't have enough time to do all of them. And just be really thoughtful with your time in what you decide to say yes to. Okay, finally, we're going to talk about how you deal with older kids. And we're talking about middle school and up. So, you know, 12, 13, 16-year-olds. Teenagers can definitely blow up your homeschool day. Yeah. So we're going to talk specifically about teens now and how to deal with them when they decide to refuse to do their work or they shut down or they're throwing their own little version of a tantrum, whatever that looks like. Or maybe they're picking on siblings too. You know, you might have little fights going on. Often with teenagers, it involves other people in the family. When the teen is being tough, it involves everybody somehow. So that makes it double tough. So the easiest thing, like we talked about, is to deal with it when they're really young and train them. I have very few problems with my teenagers because they were trained when they were young. But that might not be your situation for whatever reason. You might have just a particularly difficult child. You might be in a situation where you didn't have the chance to train them when they were young, whatever it was. Maybe you're just starting over now realizing we've got to make some changes in our family. Well, and I think that all kids go through cycles where they push limits. No matter how consistent you are, you will find that they have times where they are trying to exert more independence. And that is always tough for a parent. And the teen years are a natural built-in time when they are trying to exert independence. So you're going to see some of these things come up even if you've been really consistent, even if they haven't had a massive amount of turmoil. Teenagers go through times where they push you. And that's actually the first principle is to realize that your teenagers are people who are responsible for themselves. You should not be taking the blame for their behavior on yourself. Always make sure you put it right back on them because they will try to blame you for sure. But at the same time, they are exerting their independence because they're trying to be more independent. And part of the answer is to let them. Yeah, they they actually need to be more independent. So there may be valid issues where you have your need to realize, oh, maybe I really am in the wrong here. And or maybe maybe it's not so much a question of right and wrong, but oh, maybe they do need to have more choices in this area. So anyway, the first thing is to shift the sphere of responsibility. They'll often come to you like they just had a fight with their brother and they're like, well, he did this, he did that. And you're like, whoa, that's interesting. But why did you hit him? You know, make it, make it about him. Make it about the child. Make it about the teenager that you're talking to right then. Right. You, you can't sort out all of their problems for them because they're at the point in their lives where they need to sort out their own problems. They're not going to be able to do that entirely without you, but this is their decade that they're learning to do that. That's what the teen years are about is little by little, they're learning to manage themselves instead of having their parent manage them. Because you can't go straight from a parent is deciding everything and setting all the rules and dictating my whole life to, oh, I live on my own now. There has to be some gradual steps that occur in that teen's life so that they can be prepared to live on their own and to be responsible for themselves. So this is your chance to shift the responsibility to your teen while they are still under your roof and have, you know, some of your help in this. So all of us, when we misbehave and adults misbehave too, when we misbehave, it's really on us. We have chosen that behavior doesn't matter what the other person did. 
we still have chosen that behavior. And helping teens to recognize that is really important. And well, while you are helping them to recognize that, there's a good chance that your emotions will also be high. Because when you watch your kids fighting, doesn't that get your blood up? It, it does mine. I mean, <laughs> yes. I, I, you know. And, and the older they get, sometimes even it's the more worse. so. Yeah, because you're like, you should know better. And you're looking them in the eye now. It's You feel like you're big enough to know how to behave. And I've taught you how to behave your whole life. And so it can be really frustrating when... Well, and, you're, and you're like, she's six. I can't believe you just hit her, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that happens, right? <laughs> so so it's important for you as the parent to never go into the situation with your own fist flying, your own dander up. You've got to go in calmly. And if that means that you need to take a break first, okay, you know what? We're all going to our rooms right now. Everyone to your room right now. We're going to we'll take a few. We're going to take a few minutes. And then you can calm down. They can calm down. And then you go right back in and say, so why did you hit him? Well, because he, no, no, no. Why did you hit him? Yeah. Not, not he, not yeah. what he did. <laughs> and again, it, this is best done individually. Not, this shouldn't be a production in front of the whole family. You should take your children individually and find out what's going on. It's and, individual responsibility that you're wanting them to claim. So you're going to go and give them that responsibility, not by shoving it on them, but by asking them. You have to ask the right questions. So you might say something like, hmm, I wonder why you hit your brother. And it's really important that your tone is conversational and not accusatory, not angry, not putting them on the defensive. You're actually okay. asking them, why did you do that? Why I want to understand. Yeah, I want to know what's going on. Okay. And at first they might just be either trying to shift the blame onto their sibling or someone else or something else. Or they might just get sassy or obnoxious. I don't want to talk to you. You know, they might do something like that. And a good response is just, yeah, I know that I'm weird. I know that I'm out of touch and I'm really old, yeah. but I still want to know why you hit him. You know, and just don't, don't let them off the hook. Make them come up with that idea of, well, why did I? What was really going on inside me? Why did I do that? Why did I respond that way? And then you talk through the whole resolution of the conflict. Okay, well, what do you think you should do now? Now that this is over and you've already hit him, you know, what should you do next? They're still taking responsibility. That's that individual responsibility. I have the power to make this better now or to make it worse. So, so yeah, so rather than telling them, you go apologize to your brother right now. Honestly, think about that. If someone makes you apologize, is that really an apology? You're not apologizing. So you need to help them come to that conclusion on their own that they need to do something to fix it. Because they're not always going to have you there making them apologize. They need to learn how to resolve their conflicts without you. Right now you're helping them by asking, but they have to come to it and, and do it. And then you go to the other sibling who was involved in the fight and you do the same thing with them. Mm -hmm. I think just like little kids who need the expectations in place, teenagers also need expectations in place. So when you're not in the middle of this blow up, when you're not in the conflict, you've got to constantly be giving teens those expectations. They need to know what time you expect them to be home. If you're mad that they're not home at midnight, but you didn't tell them to be home at 10, you didn't have any expectations in place. They need to know what to expect and they need to know what the consequences are. Even expectations as far as their temper tantrums, you know, we don't, 
we're not okay with temper tantrums from teenagers in our home. You, they need to know that. And, and we're also not okay with refusing to do the schoolwork or yeah, not acceptable know, or, or not telling us that they're taking the car, you know, th- things like that are not okay. You need to have those expectations laid out ahead of time so they know. And then you have to talk with them. Well, why did you do that? Okay. Now, how are you going to fix it? And what are you going to do in the future? I remember when I was a teenager, there were times when my friends would ask me if I could go do something. Like I remember once they said, hey, we're all going camping. And it was a whole bunch of guys and girls that were all going to go on this camping trip. And they said, go ask your parents. And I said, I don't even need to ask my parents. I already know that the answer is no, they're not going to let me do that. And I didn't have to ask. And I knew their expectations. They were already in place. I knew what I was allowed to do and what I wasn't allowed to do. And I wasn't mad about it. I just understood it. But if I hadn't known what their expectations were, I would have asked, they would have said no, and I would have been mad about it. It's a lot easier if you put all of that out there, if you tell your kids what to expect. It's it's also useful once they become teens to help them be part of that expectation process. You can tell, ask them, well, when you're going out with friends, what do you think a reasonable time is to be home and why? You know, talk through their reasoning, talk through your reasoning and come up with a consensus because they're old enough to start putting rules on themselves. As an adult, don't we have things that we decide are okay and things that we decide aren't? We set our own boundaries. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. And so, you know, you want them to learn how to set their own boundaries too. What will I do and what won't I do? Yeah, I... I have a thing with my kids now that they're driving and they're going off places. When they arrive somewhere, they text me and let me know that they got there. And one of my kids said, is it because you don't trust us? And I said, no, it's not because I don't trust you. It's because I love you and I'm a little bit of a worrier. And you're just doing me the, the solid of, hey, mom doesn't have to worry as soon as she knows I'm not on the road anymore. Now, they're good drivers. They've never gotten speeding tickets. They've never given me any cause to worry, but there are a lot of drivers on the road who aren't good drivers. There's a lot going on. So that's just a little expectation that we have in place. And I talked it out with them to help them understand why I have it. It's not a matter of, I don't trust you. It's just a matter of, this is something, a tiny thing that you can do for me. So I don't have to worry. It's just you being loving to your mom. Can you do that for me? Cause it makes me feel better. And then they didn't have the negative connotation of, Oh, mom doesn't trust me on the road. She thinks I'm a bad driver. You know, it, they had all of that in their head because I didn't articulate it. Once we talked about it, they got it and it was fine. And now it doesn't bother them anymore to send the little text when they arrive. So if you can talk through some of the, the reasons with your teenagers, that can be really helpful. They're logical now. Yeah, that's one thing that's maybe better and worse than the toddler years. <laughs> <laughs> they can talk back. They can talk back. <laughs> but hopefully they can be reasoned with too. They can see your point of view also. Yeah. Sometimes when they're teens too, you need to let them feel the consequences. Yep. When they do something wrong. I this wasn't a teen, but I had a I had a son. He was about probably 6. He decided to steal something from the store. And you know, a lot of kids do that. Yep. And he took this thing and it was it was dumb. It was these little magnet things were in style for girls to put in their hair. So it was like a little jewel thing you could put in your hair and it was a magnet, right? <laughs> Why did he it want was that? for girls. I know he didn't. He didn't really know what it was. I don't think he just saw this bright, shiny thing and he wanted it. And so he took it. I discovered it after we got home. Where'd you get this? 
you know, <laughs> yeah. we did that. So I figured out, oh, he had taken this from the store. So I went back to the store with him, made him give it back and told the people that we would pay for it. And I was kind of disappointed in the store people because they were like, oh, no, don't worry about it. I was like, no, he needs to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Make the consequences happen. Yeah. So sometimes you want those consequences in non-dangerous situations, you know. Right. So it's really good if kids can learn the consequences when they're young because the problems they encounter when they're young tend to not be as big. So if your kids never have consequences when they're little, then life will bring consequences and they will be big consequences. Right. And the more often they can be natural consequences, the better. Yeah. Because they see, oh, when I make choices, it really does lead to something. And sometimes those are good things. Good consequences exist too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are bad things. And so, you know, a consequence, if you go over to your friend's house and you treat your friend badly, they're not going to invite you back again. That's a consequence. Yeah. And don't, don't let the other mom try to fix it. Say, no, nope. If your child doesn't want my child there, that's a consequence. I think that we should go with that, you know? Yeah. Hopefully they learned a lesson there and that's what consequences are, are for when they're in their formative years. It's teaching them life lessons so that they're prepared for the big consequences that inevitably come good and bad. Right. If I have a son who's doing cross country right now, if he doesn't, if he's not cut up on his homework, the natural consequences, you don't get to go to the meet on Saturday. Cause guess what you're doing? Homework. Yeah. Right. Cause, because the priority is school. And so if they know that ahead of time and they realize what the consequence will be and you follow through, you probably will only have to follow through once. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, oh, but better do my homework, you know. So there will be blow-ups in your homeschool. It will happen. There will be blow-ups in your family, in your life. These things come up. But if you are prepared in your mind for how to deal with them, you will be much more able when that blow-up happens. It won't blow you up. It might blow up a moment, but you will stay intact as a parent, and, and as a person. And over time, you'll have fewer and fewer blow-ups, and you'll have a much happier homeschool. It's worth taking the time to solve some of those problems. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love it if you would subscribe and share this podcast with others so that they can find it too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Come and visit us at layersoflearning.com and on our Facebook group. Make sure to tune in next month for our new podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have Have fun fun learning. learning!